0: I want to bring a message, a brief message. I know you know that's a statement of faith. <laughs> I want to bring you a brief message on the subject of God, a healing God. Yes. I know we've been teaching on healing a lot of Wednesday nights, going through our bookmarker, or actually it's not a bookmarker, but the card that we have with all those healing scriptures on it. And we started a number of weeks ago going through them on Wednesdays and just sharing from each verse, meditations and thoughts and ideas that the Lord has given to us over the years and has given to us now. And um, we're not finished with that yet. Then of course, Brother Cooper was led of the Lord and it was, as I say, so good to teach on healing last Wednesday in our absence. And so I know that we've said a lot about this subject, but I also know that not everybody can get here on Wednesday. Not everybody's heard all that's been said. And I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. This is not my church, it's His. It's not my program, it's His. And so we just do what we're told. I'm a messenger and so I want to bring you the message He has for us today. First of all, I want to make this statement. It has never been God's intention that the man He created, the people He created and loves would be sick. That might be a radical thought because sickness abounds, it's everywhere It's in abundance. With all the modern medicines and procedures we have at our uh, uh, fingertips, so to speak, today, we still see more sick people, it seems, than ever. More people are sick. More people are on medications. More people are suffering with various things, it seems, than ever at any time in history. But that's never been the intention of God. God never intended that we would be sick. And of course, he never changes. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And of course, what can be said of the Son can be said of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. God never changes. If God wanted man to be sick, there would have been sickness from the very beginning. But we know that there was none until man actually fell. Until sin entered the picture. Until man committed high treason against the Father God and sold out his dominion to the devil and the devil became the little G, God, Lord, or ruler of this world system. There was no sickness and there was no death. So it's very obvious we don't have to be a theologian to understand where the root of all this is and where it came from. But what we need to understand, and I want to reinforce again, is the fact that God does not change. He never changes. And so all that he ever was, he is and will ever be, and one of the greatest revelations of the nature of God that has ever been given to the human race is the revelation that Jesus gave to us when he came into the earth and walked the earth to represent the Father as well as to redeem us and become our substitute. And that revelation that he brought to us, among others, was the revelation of God as Father. God as Father. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 11, Jesus made the statement... That if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? He delights in giving us good things. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is our Father, and He delights in blessing us. The problem that God had, if you want to put it that way, was that the man He loved so much and had done so much to bless and had created so much for the benefit of that man, that man had now fallen. And for God to just touch him in any powerful way in that state would have brought death to that man. The thing he loved most was something that now was separated from him. Spiritual death had entered the picture. Separation and isolation and alienation from God. Fear had come. Sickness had come. Death had entered. And poverty would would, uh, come. And all of those things that are a part of the curse. And so what did the father do? Well, he made a plan, and just immediately, if matter of fact, in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, immediately after Adam fell, God said by the word of prophecy that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the devil. In other words, God set in motion a plan of redemption. And Jesus came to redeem us and to heal us. And we know that's true. Because Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing. Doing good and healing. All that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. We know that Jesus came to show us the Father's will and purpose. In John chapter 14 when the disciple Philip. Asked Jesus, you know, and said to him, uh, we don't know the way, and I'm paraphrasing, and show show us the way. And he said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and you haven't known me? If you have seen me, he said, you have seen the Father. So when you look in your Bible, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and you begin to walk along with Jesus as you read and study and meditate the Word... As you begin to walk with Him and see all the wonderful and glorious and mighty things that He did, you need to understand that you're not just seeing Jesus doing some wonderful things. Yes, He is doing all those. But what you're also seeing is the will of the Father in action. Jesus is showing us the heart of the Father. You know, if He just only redeemed us, if that's all that happened, then He could have just, uh, you know, went to the cross. He could have avoided all of the problems and all of the work. And all of the things that happened in the ministry leading up to that, he could have just went to the cross. But that's not how it was. That's not how God willed it. God wanted Jesus before the cross, which was the work of redemption, the work that none of us could do on our own, the the, the thing we were dependent on God for that we couldn't provide for ourselves. Before that happened, God wanted to show the world, and he wanted to anoint people to write about it and tell the world from that point on to this day the will of God in action through Jesus the Christ. And so when you see Jesus, you're seeing the the Father at work. And then, of course, he did accomplish the work of redemption. Aren't you glad for that? Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. "...being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith." And so he said he redeemed us from the curse of the law, which was spiritual death... It was poverty, it was family disasters, it was all kinds of sickness and disease, even including mental illness. You can see all of that in Deuteronomy 28, it's laid out there and you can plainly see that was a part of the curse. But he went on to say that the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, we understand the primary meaning of that verse was the coming Christ through the seed of Abraham, that was Jesus himself. But we also know that Abraham lived in a blessed place. He lived in a blessed state. In Genesis 13, the first thing that God did for Abraham was make him rich. And many years later, he gave him a son by promise. When he was 100 years old, Isaac was born. And, you know, I guess most of us would think, well, I've come to the pinnacle. I've come to the apex. I've come to the greatest thing. And so, you know, I can just go on now. But not Abraham. He was a blessed man. Do you know that some years later, 20-some years later, his, his wife... Rachel, uh, I'm sorry, his, uh, his wife, Sarah, would die, and she would go on. And you know what Abraham did? Good old Abraham. He married again, had five more kids, and lived to be 175 years old. The blessing of Abraham. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came that all of this could belong to us as well. And in Him, it does. So I want to submit to you this morning that sickness and disease, and I'll use this phrase not because I believe that you necessarily own it, but to make it personal that your sickness and your disease, that which has attacked you in any way, that it has already been dealt with at the cross. We have already been redeemed. We're not looking for redemption. We have redemption. I know that the physical body we're living in will obtain a full redemption and one day we'll get a glorified body. And I joke around and say often when I talk about that that when you see me there, I'll have hair. You might have to ask me who I am. And I hope God gives me my head full of blonde hair back again. And I hope that it's long enough that I have to do this to get it out of my eyes like I did when I was 13. But I can tell you, that whatever it is, it's going to be good. But redemption, the act of redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ has already been accomplished at the cross. It's already been, been done. Amen. It, it, we're not waiting on any more. And that redemption includes your deliverance your healing, your, your liberty from sickness and disease until you have lived the full length of your time out here below. And we know that that's a long life because Psalm 91, 16, even under the Old Covenant says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I think about the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Philippians. He said, I'm trying to decide whether to live or go on. And before he wrote a few more verses, he said, it's better for me to stay. And then later on he would tell Timothy, I fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. In other words, he lived till he was satisfied. He lived till he got done. And so that's one reason why, you know, I look at those kind of truths and every day of my life I declare before God, I will live long, I will live strong, and I will live well upon the earth. I'll live till I've finished my course and I'll live till I'm satisfied with long life. I hope you'll say that with me every day of your life. I hope that you will live until you're satisfied with long life. And I want you to know that you can live with strength and you can live with with health and you can live with blessing and you can live pain free, sickness free, disease free and if that seems like that's a million miles away I don't want you to realize it's nearer than what you think. It's already on the inside of you. If what's inside of you is allowed to come outside then you're going to be changed. You're going to be healed. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be delivered. You're going to be set free. That's the God we serve. Thank God he's a healing God. He's a healing God. He doesn't just heal people under 40. He doesn't just heal people under 60 or under 70 or under 80. But he wants to keep you well and strong and blessed as long as you're here. And when you get satisfied with long life, when you're ready to go, then you and God can be in agreement. And you can have what 1 Peter talks about as an abundant entrance into the heavenly kingdom. And you can go in in a time of celebration, a time of great blessing. That's the will of God. Hallelujah. And I know that a lot of people don't even know that that's available. A lot of wonderful saints of God, people who've served the Lord many, many years, have never heard that truth. But aren't you glad you're hearing it today? God is speaking to us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there are two simple elements, two simple elements that really make this possible. And those two elements are, number one, faith. And number two, power. Not just faith, but faith and power. Not just power, but power and faith. Somebody got to believe. And one of the goals we have here in this church is that we are all believers. That you're not just dependent on me. Amen. But that we are all believers and that we're all people of power filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Mark chapter 5, in verse number 34, one of the most familiar of all the healing uh, passages that are given to us in the Gospels, Jesus heals a woman who had for 12 years suffered with an issue of blood. She had hemorrhaged blood for 12 years. And obviously, it was a slow, uh, ongoing, continual thing that was continuing to make her worse and worse. She had been to the doctors, thank God for doctors. But they were not able to help her in her particular case. And she had went back and again and again to the point where now she don't have any more money. And so she's not just sick, but she's sick and broke. So this is about as helpless as it can be. She's down to her last resource, which is nothing that she has personally except her faith. And how did she get that faith? Well, she had heard of Jesus, the Bible says. When she heard of Jesus. Now, I don't know who told her. I don't know how she heard about it. I don't know how many times she heard somebody talk about Jesus to get to the place where she realized, since other people evidently are doing this, she realized if I can get to him, if I can touch just his clothes, I'll be healed. In other words, He doesn't have to call me out. He doesn't have to tell me that he already knows what's wrong with me. He doesn't have to lay his hand upon me. He doesn't have to touch me. I just need to touch him. I need to touch him. And and what she really was working toward was touching the power of God. Now... In Mark 5 and 34, Jesus told her, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Because she came in the press behind, touched the hem of his garment, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And the Bible says that virtue, that's the old King James, the word means power. It's the word dunamis. It's the same word used when talking about the power of the Holy Spirit coming to the church on the day of Pentecost. Same power you have in you. That dunamis or power... And we get the word dynamite from that word, by the way. So it gives you a little idea. We're not talking about just some little touch. We're talking about power. We're talking about the power to do something, to change something, to fix something. And uh, it says that power went out of him. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. But when Jesus turned around in the press, he didn't say to her, Daughter, my holiness has made you whole. He didn't say, daughter, my power has made you whole. He didn't say, daughter, your faithfulness down at the synagogue all those years ago has come back and made you whole. No, he said, your faith, your faith has made you whole. But yet, but yet, in this very passage, the word power is used. So we know power did the work, but it was her faith that released the power into her life. You see, a lot of people are waiting on God to overwhelm and overcome them and basically force them to have a miracle, force them to be healed, force them to be changed. People do this with all kinds of things. They do it with their lifestyle choices. Well, you know, if the Lord doesn't want me to... to. Uh, you know, to be addicted, he'll just take it away, you know, like I have nothing to do with it kind of thing. Well, that's foolishness. That's not how this is going to work. It's not going to work that way. And so it takes faith and it takes power. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 19, it talks about people touching Jesus. Matter of fact, that's one particular passage that I want to look at just a little more closely. And I want you to listen to what the word says to us here. In Luke chapter... Number uh, 6, I'm sorry, I said Luke 19, I think, but I mean Luke 6, verse 19. had it backwards. Luke chapter 6 and verse 19, there's a powerful uh, picture of the ministry of Jesus that's given to us here. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 19, it says, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, Notice, they sought to touch him. They weren't sitting at home waiting on God to come touch them. How many Christians do without the blessings of God? Because in their way of thinking, they, they think, I'm waiting on God. Well, when the Lord gets ready in his own good way, in his own good time. Don't that sound real religious? Sure, it sounds religious. That's the way to not receive. Sometimes you have to throw out some of your religious traditional ideas because they're not biblical. No, they went where the power was. They went where the power was. So much so in the ministry of Jesus that if they had to be brought in on a cot or a mat, we would say today if they had to bring you in a, in a wheelchair. Or, you know, on a gurney, or whatever. You say, well, why isn't that happening today? Because people don't believe that there's anything for them in the church. And why do they not believe that? Because preachers haven't preached these truths like they should. I'm a preacher, so I'm guilty as well. But I mean, so prende, kiliprotesha, filamonka, yadesinikaya. But, says the Lord, it's time for a change. It's time to shift your gears. It's time to move into another place, says the Lord. It's time to come into the place of expectancy, a place of faith, a place where the power is more readily available. Where the atmosphere created is one that I can move in, says the Lord. So put aside the man-made plans and the copycat element that goes with so much in church today, and look to my word and look to me, says the Lord, and I will bring the miraculous into your presence in such a way that it will astound you. Hallelujah. Oh, Brisaiah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Let's lift up our hands and praise the Lord a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Praise. Praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue. The old King James, the word is dunamis, it's power. There went power out of him and healed them all. So that means people with cancer were healed. People with arthritis were healed. People with congenital birth defects that were born with certain things not right, they were healed. That means the old were healed. The middle-aged were healed. The young were healed. Those who had uh, been in accidents and were maimed and lame, they were healed. That means all kinds of degenerative diseases were healed and there were none turned away. I want you to note that in this passage. And if you read the four Gospels with looking for this, you will also discover that nowhere, I said nowhere in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, was there ever a time, and even in the book of Acts in the ministry of the early church, there was never a time that God ever said through either Jesus himself or through any of his servants, there was never a time when someone was told, it is not the will of God to heal you. You see, what's happening today is people are making up doctrines based on their experiences. There is no source of doctrine in your experience. The source of doctrine is in this book. And we do not alter our beliefs based on our circumstances. We do not rewrite our theology based on what we see with our eyes or what we feel with our bodies or our senses. But what we do is we base what we believe on the Word of God. And always somebody, you know, some smart person always comes up with the statement, well, what if you believe all of that and you die? May I submit to you that I'd rather die in faith than die in unbelief. I'd rather die declaring the goodness of God and the power of God than to die calling God a bad father. Than to accuse him of child abuse. To think that he would use that which he has already redeemed me from. And turn around and double dog do me dirty. And lay it on me again. He never laid it on me the first time. It came from the devil in the hand of the enemy. My God is a healing God. And yes those are strong words. But we serve a mighty God. It's time that somebody stand up and declare who he really is. He's not this uh, uh, Pablum God. He's not this little uh, fairy God. He's not an effeminate sissy God. He's not basing all that he does now on what's on TikTok or what's on Facebook or what's on YouTube or what's going on in the government. God is God all by himself. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And all that he ever was, he is. And all that he ever did, he still does. He is God. He's God. Say this with me. He's my God. Say it again. He's my God. So these two simple elements, faith and power, when they're added together, we call this the miracle equation. Faith plus power equals miracles. It's interesting in the ministry of Jesus that the first ministry, I mean, I'm sorry, the first miracle of healing in the ministry of Jesus that we have recorded is found in the fourth chapter of the book of John. Now we know the first miracle Jesus ever did was in Cana of Galilee at the wedding supper when the water was turned into wine. And uh, we're told in John chapter 4 verse 54 this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. So the second miracle when he came into Galilee at least. And I want you to know about this miracle a little bit. Because there was a nobleman who had come on behalf of his son. And he said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. So you can imagine a parent having a child at death's door, how desperate they would be. And this was a nobleman, he was a... Uh, an upper crust person, sometimes we, in our household we joke, joke and call it the upper crustacean. He was a lobster, not a shrimp. Uh, anyway, he was, an, you know, he was an important person. And so he comes and his child is about to die. It's amazing how people swallow their pride when they get desperate. And I don't say that because I take great joy or satisfaction in it, but I'm just making a statement. That when it comes down to the living, we're all the same. And it's important that we all share the same faith in the Lord Jesus. So that was his plea. Sir, come down, ere or lest or before my child die. Verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, go thy way. Notice what Jesus is not doing. He's not going with him. Now there's another occasion when Jesus offered to go. And the fellow said, you don't need to come. Maybe he had heard about this. You know, the centurion, the other situation. Can I say this to you? We aren't Jesus' boss. And we need to get out of our head this idea that I'm going to church for God to do it my way. Church isn't Burger King. Some of you are old enough to remember that one. And I'm not trying to be a smart elk about it, but if you really want to touch the power of God, you're going to have to submit to God, all of us. So Jesus, he acted like that the man never even said that. He never gave an explanation. And I'll tell you, people under the anointing and people uh, in, in spiritual authority operating under the anointing don't always talk as much as we want them to. But when they do talk, we need to listen. So he acted like that wasn't even said. He gave no excuse, no explanation for why he wasn't doing it. He said, go thy way, thy son liveth. Now this man is where Jesus is. His son is wherever the son is. He can't see him. He can't hear him. And there's no cell phones. There's no FaceTime. This is the old days. So he has a choice. And he made the right one. And the man believed the word. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. He had every opportunity to be offended. Upper crustaceans have a sense of entitlement, have you noticed? He had every opportunity to be offended. Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know what my name is? All kinds of things could have went through his mind. But to his credit, he shut up and believed the word and went his way. This was a journey of faith. Because I can tell you, and the reason I can tell you this is not because I was there, not because I've talked to this man, but I can tell you this because the devil is still the same devil today. So you can imagine what the devil was saying to him. Jesus didn't do what you wanted. It didn't go the way you thought it would go. He's not coming to your house. And you know what the devil went on to say? You're going to go home and you're going to find everybody all to pieces in mourning because you're going to find a dead kid. That's what the devil would tell him. I don't know what the devil's telling you this morning. That you'll never be well. That you'll never be without pain. That you'll die young. That so and so had this or that or the other. And so you probably got that gene. Or you've got this, that or the other. And uh, you'll probably be the same way. And I mean he tells us all the same lies. He tells everybody the same lies. You'll notice it's always a heart attack. It's never gas. (laughs) It's always cancer. It's not just... It's never a pulled muscle. I mean, he always goes for the juggler. You know, the devil's a sorry cuss, but I can tell you, we could learn something from his tenacity and his all-out abandon. He is working day and night to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to be, day and night, living by faith, shouting the praises of God. We need to be singing and glorifying God and expecting the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. And we can't wait till we get to church on Sunday in that hour and a half or two that we're there. And that's going to take care of it all. This needs to be daily. Amen. Daily. Daily. Amen. Amen. And so the man went his way. And as he was now, verse 51, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. So it wasn't an instantaneous healing. I want you to notice that. This this first miracle of healing after Jesus came out of Judea into Galilee, was not an instantaneous miracle. A lot of people think all of the, the healings of, in the ministry of Jesus happened just like the snap of a finger. That is not the case. He began to amend. And let me say about beginning to amend, if you don't keep the switch of faith turned on, you'll stop. We believe God before we get there. We believe God to make the point of contact like the woman with the issue of blood. And we, we keep the switch of faith turned on until everything is absolutely normal. You say, well, how long will I have to stand? Well, if you're prepared to stand forever, Wigglesworth used to say you won't have to stand long. Amen. Amen. He inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said. In the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed. I want you to notice those two things. Jesus said and himself believed. And his whole house. Once you have the word of God on it. Thy son liveth. And himself believed. And his whole house. You see he was believing before he got there. Now they're all believing. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did. Wait a minute. Jesus didn't go down there. Jesus wasn't there. But this verse says he did a miracle. (laughs) He wasn't there, but he did a miracle. How did he do the miracle? Through the word that he spoke. Now, let me ask you this question. I know it's going to seem like a silly question, but but it's important that, that we get an answer here. What if Jesus said what he said and the man had not believed? What if he'd just thrown a right conniption fit? cussed Jesus out because you know he was emotional you know his emotions were at a heightened state this was his child nothing can raise emotions in a parent, a a person more than if they have a child that's in a desperate life and death situation what if he just went to pieces and what if he just gotten mad and threw a fit, cussed Jesus out and said you don't care about me, you don't love me All this stuff I've heard about you, I don't believe. What would have happened? That boy would have died, or that child would have died, that son. You see, a lot of people think it's all up to God. It isn't. And some people perhaps think it's all up to me, and that's not true either. The faith equation, I mean, the miracle equation is faith, which comes from Jesus' words, plus power, which comes from the Holy Spirit, equals a miracle. I want to just throw this out. You know you could teach. You could teach a long time on these things. But I can't do that today. But I want to make this statement. Uh, and you can listen to it. And think about it. And ponder on it. But faith comes by hearing. We know that. Romans ten seventeen. Power comes by asking. And waiting. That's the best way I know how to explain it. Faith comes by hearing. And that could be hearing somebody Declare the word to you as I'm doing today. But primarily the greatest advances in your faith are going to come when you hear yourself. When you give voice to his word. That's the greatest faith builder of all. So if we know faith comes by hearing. But the power is not an accident either. And the power comes by asking and by waiting. Now, I'm convinced people will not ask and they will not wait if they don't know about it. So, that's one reason it's good to say faith first, then power, because usually people will not have much power if there's no faith. You understand what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing, power comes by asking and by waiting. We're not doing enough asking. Remember where we started? Matthew 7, 11. if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask. Asking and waiting. Now, I know we're spirit-filled people. I mean, that's where, where we are as a church, doctrinally. I don't know that if everybody here is filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, but you can be. We believe in that. So when we talk about asking, we're not talking about constantly going back and asking for him to give us the Holy Spirit because he has given the Holy Spirit. And if you've received his fullness, you have received his fullness. But the Bible tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the idea is we are to desire, covet earnestly, desire things of the Spirit. So that's one of the ways we pray over a service. That's one of the ways that we pray about an encounter with God where people are coming with needs to be met because human power isn't going to get the job done. You can even physically go through certain motions that look like ministry, but if there's no power there, people will leave exactly as they came. But on the other hand, and this is important and needs to be said, there can be a a, a strong manifestation of power. But if people have no faith or if people don't exercise their faith or know how to use their faith, they're not going to tap into it either. And they're going to leave with nothing. Unchanged, at least, put it that way. And so we need to feed our faith constantly by looking to the Word of God. There are a lot of subjects to study, a lot of great things to know about the Word, but I would just encourage you, from my experience as a pastor for decades, is to always feed your spirit on the lines of faith and healing, in addition to all the other things that you want to learn and know about the Bible, and always be ready to flow and minister in and be ministered to by the power of God. Now, there are a number of ways that power, this power manifests, and I Again, I don't have time to go into uh, any much detail here, but there are a number of ways that the power manifests. Sometimes through the laying on of hands. Sometimes it's just, just where people are sitting. They receive the power of God. Sometimes it's during the worship time. Sometimes the power of God manifests when people get things fixed between them and God that need to be fixed. I don't know if you're holding a grudge today. I don't know if you're... In Unbelief today. I I don't know where everybody is, and I hope nobody's in those places, but sometimes things have to get fixed. Sometimes we have to repent before the power of God's going to be made manifest into our lives, and I know that there are a lot of people in the modern church world today that they don't want to hear that. They don't like that because they have another theory, and you know what a theory is, don't you? It's a supposition based on ignorance of the subject under discussion, and they have their theory about how grace makes none of that matter. But my always, my smart aleck question is, how is that working out for people? It's not. It's not. Faith plus power equals miracles. So there are a number of ways that power manifests. We've seen the manifestation of His power through anointed cloths, like Acts 19. Through the laying on of hands, through the anointing of oil and the laying on the hands of elders, I remember one of the first divine, miraculous, instantaneous, lasting healings that I ever witnessed in my life was I was just a young kid. And I think Glenna was with me. We were at a cottage prayer meeting. Anybody old enough to know what a cottage prayer meeting is? You're having church in somebody's house. They're sick or shut in or whatever. So you go to their house and, and you have church. And we were there in this meeting, and this uh, young man at the time, he's now gone to be with the Lord, but at the time, um, he had a serious back injury. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fraud to get some compensation money. This was a real, real injury, pain and all the stuff that goes with it. And so, he wanted, to, if the, some of us from the church would come, and... Uh, and, and have a service, and particularly he wanted to be anointed with oil by the elders and be prayed over for healing. And I remember, one of the things I remember about that service was this was a small wood frame house. Actually, it was an old uh, uh, company house that coal companies had built many years ago for employees, and it was his house now. He was living there, just a little wood frame house, and I remember a bunch of us were there. And so, he was anointed with oil, and people put their hands on him. And this is pretty good for Baptists, because that's what we were. And began to pray over him, and the power of God fell in that room. He was instantly healed, and to my knowledge, for the rest of his life, Never had to have that surgery. Never had any more problem with it. I remember that, as I said, it's pretty good for Baptists. People started jumping up and down (laughs) in this little wood frame house. And I remember being off kind of to the side, and you could feel the floor (laughs) going up and down with us. And I got a little concerned about it because there were some heavy people in the room. But... uh, (laughs) But I'm here today to report he was healed. The house didn't fall through. But I'm just I'm telling you there are a number of ways that God manifests. So what's our response? Well, let me say it this way. This is the best way I know to say it today. We should take advantage of the one that's most obvious. Don't try to tell God how to do it. And don't don't do this deal, well, Lord, if you do this, that, and the other, then I'll know it's you. No, if the power of God is flowing, and if there is an anointed man or woman of God who who has some instruction from the Lord about the service, and they're going in a certain way, go with the flow of the Spirit. This is a time when follow the leader is very much in order. Take advantage of the, the way that's most obvious. And so... I want to say to you today that both faith and power are here today. So you can receive. It's not hard. You don't have to work up something. You don't have to work up a feeling. You don't have to do something strange or unusual. You just have to, on the inside of you, say, today's my day, and I'm going to receive the power of God. Now, regardless of what your sight or senses tell you, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what might be going on in your body at this moment, you can receive. And once you receive, then you have received. And so if there's anything that lingers, it has to go. Because you will... Either instantaneously, immediately amend, or it might, it might be a process. I don't know. I'm not saying that it is or has to be. But I'm just telling you that if you will receive and not let go, you will have what you believe that you receive. It's really simple, and it's really powerful. So our musicians and singers are going to come back, and they're going to sing that song again. Healing is here. And I want to minister to those who want ministry. I don't want you to come thinking that, you know, you just need to humor me. That's not necessary. If it's only one person that needs healing, then to me that's fine as well. You might be here today and you say, well, I've had hands laid on me before and I've, I've been in these kind of meetings before. Well, you just check your heart. Check your heart. You might need to come just for a shot, as you might say, of the power of God. But others may need to come because this is your day to believe that you receive and plant your feet. I don't know where everybody is, but God knows where you are. And He knows if you mean business. And He knows what you're ready to believe. But I can tell you that if you will come on those, on that basis of faith in God and you will receive your healing when hands are laid on you and you will, you will believe that you receive, I can tell you that you will leave changed. Now, your physical symptoms may or may not be different. I don't know, but they will eventually. If not now, they will be because you receive. You see, that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Well, I felt if I received, everything is fixed. Well, you receive spiritually. The body may need to catch up, but it will. It will. So, if you're here and that's you, then I want you to come just right now. We're not going to take a long time with this. It doesn't take a long time. But I want you to come because we want to minister to you. God wants you well. God wants you strong. Our ushers will help you get in position. I'm not a very tall man, so they'll ask you to move up pretty close to these steps. That helps me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we sense your presence here today. Lord, we know that you are no respecter of persons. If we believe you, and we do, then we receive. Oh, Halabas, would you begin to worship the Lord? If you don't need to to be up here, then just worship with us. Keep this